0: Welcome to The Unheralded. This is a podcast where we get to learn more about the sports professions you thought you knew about. With the help of those already working in their field, we'll get notions dispelled, hear some weird stories, and get to appreciate their jobs just a little bit more. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and on today's show, camera operators. In this episode, we're taking a look at one of the most crucial pieces of television. Camera operators are our eyes in the sporting world. They help tell the story of the moment, and if they're doing their jobs right, we get to witness history. Remember when Barry Bonds hit his 756 home run in 2007 and got emotional as he ran the third and headed home? Or in 2004, when the Pistons and Pacers broke out in the most infamous brawl in NBA history, now dubbed Malice at the Palace? How about just a couple of years ago? when the world fell in love with Villanova's Piccolo Girl, the band member whose team had been upset in the NCAA basketball tournament and she was crying while playing her instrument. These moments, big and small, happy or sad, they all stick out and it's because someone was pointing their camera at the right place at the right time and we got to live it. Steve Angel is a freelance camera operator, he's been in the business for over 30 years and has shot nearly every sport imaginable. Here's a mashed up clip of a few of them.
1: I do Monday Night Football, done the NBA Finals, I've done a World Series, and a Demolition Derby, which was quite a challenge, NASCAR, uh, hockey, uh, Atlanta Hawks, and the NBA. I do sometimes five or six games a week. Major League Baseball, I've done most of all that. I did the very first World Baseball Classic, which was a, a thrill in San Diego. What else do we got? Football, college football, college basketball, college baseball. Uh, and all the pros. I think probably most of the American sports. How about that?
0: In our conversation he opened up about a life of travel, his scariest moment, and the connection he feels with the things he's shooting. Oh yeah, and those historic moments I mentioned earlier? He was the man behind the camera for each one.
1: So you've been behind the camera for how many years now? Oh yeah, like my entire career. My entire career. Uh, I don't know, 30 plus. Easy. And uh, it's interesting to see the uh, development. Um, when I graduated high school I bought uh, myself a graduation present it was a Super 8 camera and it cost $55 which at that time was a king's ransom and uh, now your iPhone can make images 10, 20, 50 times better than what I was making but I was trying to learn how to tell a visual story which is universal which is just like writing. There's verbs, there's Grammar, there's do's, there's don'ts, knowing the rules enough so that you can break the rules.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned the visual storytelling aspect of of your of your job. Um, I think a lot of people think your role, you show, you show up, you kind of point your camera in one direction for two hours and you get to go home. How wrong are they?
1: Uh, there's some of that. There's some of that. That's, 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 that's a given. This is how I would phrase it, and perhaps I'm wrong. I could give you a guitar and teach you three chords and you can play Louie Louie and maybe after a couple hours you can do it okay. But you can't sound like Carlos Santana after three hours. It takes a lifetime of of practice. of memories of uh actually trying to get a little bit better each and every day does that make sense at all yeah yeah you know but reading and knowing and uh, buying a local newspaper and studying and knowing the players and knowing the coaches and knowing the history of the teams um the beauty of live television is we never get a second chance the worst part of live television is we never get a second chance i don't need to say that go ahead
0: what are some misconceptions about your role your job that the general public may have?
1: Uh, I think they think that it's a lot more fun than it really is. I think that they, um, uh, the, the game is, we can work 10, 12, 14, 16, 22 hours, and the game's only two hours. So that's such a small percentage of, of what our day and what goes into the day. And uh, they usually only see us at the game and go, you've got the greatest job ever. And I say, well, I work a lot of nights and a lot of weekends. And when I finish here tonight at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get up at 5 and get on a plane and go somewhere else. Are you interested in three hours of sleep tonight as your job? And some people go, no. And other people go, yeah, man, let me have at it. But I would say that's one of them. Um, that we pile around with the uh, the players and the teams and they all know us, that might be another misconception. Um, that we have anything to do with what actually gets on the air, we have an idea, we shoot things, but the directors are ultimately the, uh, the, uh, the choosers or the directors, hey, give me a shot of so-and-so. If he makes this basket, I want to cut to him as he calls timeout. Um, I'd say that might be it. Basically, it's a lot more fun than it really is. It's a lot of fun. I don't want to sound like it's not. A lot of people want to do it, though. So it's very hard to make a, a, uh, a decent wage. It's a great wage when you're 21. It's not so great when you're uh, maybe a little bit older than that. How about that?
0: Are you living off being a
1: freelance camera operator yeah, right now? Yeah, that's my, that's my chosen profession, and I, I'm doing okay with it.
0: As a freelance camera operator, Steve relies on getting assignments to make a living. Assignments are one way of saying games-to-go work. You heard that Steve is one of the few that makes a living solely off being a cameraman, but to make ends meet, it's an endless grind.
1: How many assignments a week do you find yourself? I try to do uh, six or seven games a week. Wow. But usually it's more like probably five, maybe six just depends. And usually not in the same place, all those games in one no. week. No. A lot of times it's uh, six cities in seven days, something like that.
0: Does that take a toll on you?
1: A uh, tremendous toll. But you know what? It's it's a lot of fun and uh, I would say I'm an overnight sensation. Forty years in the making in that regard. So a lot of boxes of Romaine, roman, Romaine noodles. Ramen. Uh, ramen noodles. <laughs> thank you. I knew I wasn't saying that right. Uh, ramen noodles uh, to start your career. Uh, I didn't quite sleep in my car, but or a tent. But I know a lot of people that have. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. How about that?
0: Take me through uh, a game day. Uh, we can use. I want. I'd like a couple of examples. We can use today, right now. We have a 7 p.m. tip off for Florida men's basketball versus South Carolina tonight. It's 1 p.m. right now. You've been here. Uh, the crew, the TV crew, has been here for a while. So I guess walk me through a game day for you. What's that
1: like? Uh, We set up all our cameras. We uh, do a uh, uh, pre-game fax. And fax is, I'm not sure what it stands for, but basically we make sure that everything's operating, functioning functioning properly. And that uh, we can hear the truck. The truck can hear us. They can see everything. Everything's communicating. We uh, set up a a, uh, tractor trailer out in the parking lot with, uh, you know, What time is it? So, what time is it? Some of the people may have started as early. I know one of the guys was here at 7 or 9, you know, and we'll be here till 12 or 1 in that regard. And I'm being very broad brush, but every job has different um, responsibilities. I pride myself on running any of the cameras. Uh, I'm a utility player. I may not be the greatest at any one position, but I'm pretty good at most of them.
0: So, it's uh, it's about noon, 1 o'clock.
1: Yeah, cameras we're, we're, are set up we'll, we'll, we'll work to set up our cameras for the next two or three hours we'll uh, ring it out we'll make sure everything's uh, good to go uh, as good as it can be we lay alternate plans we let, take extra cabling uh, just in case there's a problem or an issue we plan for a disaster and hope there's not one uh, we'll do a camera meeting for a couple hours we'll have a, 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 a hour lunch then we'll come back and start our prep getting ready, every arena is a little bit different, every story is a little different. We don't know how it's going to play out. We know how we think it's going to play out. But there might be a kid that's uh, sick and his replacement goes crazy, goes ape, and scores 40 points. Now he's suddenly a story. If the people in the truck have done their job, if we've read and we know who this person is, we know where his uh, parents might be in the stands, I mean there's a thousand variations along those lines, and most anybody can just shoot the game, but to tell the actual story of this, this, this kid, you know, um, is a completely different creature, telling those stories is something completely different.
0: What's the difference between shooting a subject
1: and telling his or her story? I don't know. I mean, there's just, I I don't know how to, once again, I would make the analogy of the guitar. Here's one chord, and here's a whole uh, symphonic thing where not only do we know who he is, we know who his best friend on the team is. We know that his uh, high school coach is in attendance, and some of that stuff is uh, good producing, good directing, uh, talking to trainers, you know, talking to the player themselves. I mean, you know, it's, I to say it's journalism, but it's sort of like, if that makes any sense at all.
0: As you may have picked up already, Steve has been around the business for a while and worked events that some of us have never even watched. He was the camera that got LeBron saying, Cleveland, this is for you, after LeBron won last year's NBA Finals. But his favorite assignments aren't ones with mega superstars.
1: I think it's compelling. It's great to see an 18 or 19 or 22-year-old uh, realize their dreams. Every year I do the NBA draft, and every year somebody's mom is crying and you see that realization of a dream that started when they were seven or nine and now they're 22 and grown men or at least in their bodies uh, and they are about to become multi-millionaires and they've those 700,000 hours they spent in the driveway on the playgrounds in the swimming pool whatever they're doing you know but uh, 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 blocking dummies you know all that work has come to fruition and you see that moment in their eyes and it's pretty special. It
0: almost feels like you're, you're speaking almost as if you're connected to them in that moment.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I, f- I feel feel ownership in some of that that stuff, and knowing that I documented it, and I see imagery that I I saw that I uh, framed up. You know, and that I was part, a small, tiny part of it. I remember a lot of imagery and a lot of stuff, but sometimes it's just something little, and it can be just something simple and sweet. It could be a six-year senior who finally gets a start on senior day and makes a three-pointer, and he knows that's the only time he's going to do it, and his career is almost over. For every one of these guys that's in the pros, there's 100,000 guys that are going to go on and do something else, and maybe that's their shining moment. To me, those images, those stories are almost more exciting than, than the guy that's 6'8 can run a 440, he should be winning the championship. He is the best athlete. My favorite images are the guy in the um in the Olympics that came in sixth. And they are fisting the air because they've just broken a personal record. They didn't win the gold medal. They weren't that big. They weren't that fast. They were, you know, they gave every single thing they had and they did the absolute best they possibly could. At the absolute peak of their career, and they know that for the rest of their life. That's a huge confidence builder for these guys.
0: Being a camera operator means you're always out of the spotlight. In essence, you are the spotlight, turning your camera in the direction of something to highlight. But one time in Steve's career, he got his 15 minutes of fame. To set the scene, we're in 2004 in the American League Championship Series between the Yankees and Rangers in Yankee Stadium. Steve, uh, if you Google your name plus cameraman, uh, a certain Brett Gardner incident. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah, 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 that's a pretty big deal. I hadn't uh, thought about that. Take me through that moment, set it up for, I'm familiar with it, but for those who may not,
1: where were you? Uh, I was doing um, uh, low first, uh, next to the Yankees dugout. Uh, there was a uh, awning over me, so I couldn't see the batter except with my lens.
0: So, and just to clarify, low first,
1: Low first is a camera position right next to uh, the uh, Yankees' dugout. We're in the Yankee Stadium, and it's a baseball playoffs. Forgive me, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, Brett Gardner, left-handed batter, so his back is to me. Gets sawed off with a tight fastball. The bat came flying over and ended up shattering my lens. I didn't know what had happened. Uh, my res- assignment was... A rod was on third base, about ready to try to score. So that was my assignment. When you see the uh, lens shatter, if you look at this, and for life, of me, I didn't have any idea what it, what had what happened, and so I just zoomed out wide, and um, I'd forgotten about this. I zoomed out wide and included the next batter in this little uh, hole. It's about the size of a quarter.
0: So you I had no idea the bat was flying toward no, you.
1: No idea, no idea. I would have flinched. No, no question. You know that's. The bats and balls fly all the time. If you're around enough, that'll uh, that'll happen.
0: So you've given me a couple of uh, your, your memorable memories. Uh, what's maybe the worst situation you found yourself in, maybe a mistake you've made, and how'd you recover from it? How'd you fix it?
1: The scariest moment I ever had was running Aaron Rodgers out onto the field um, for his very first game as a, as a Packer. Brett Favre had uh, left his understudy, who'd been there for two or three years, our first game, opening night, Monday Night Football, and um, these 500 um, Packer boosters or supporters or whatever came out and formed this arch where they put their hands up and made a little archway. Well, the first image we have coming straight out of black is me right in front of Aaron Rodgers and the whole Green Bay Packer team and um, they hold them for about a second and a half, two seconds then we start running. Running backwards with a quarter of a million dollar camera trying to frame something up is a challenge in and of itself then we ran through this arch of people in mustard yellow uh, blazers and they were all that and they knocked my headset off. Well I could feel this headset bouncing on my shoulder as I'm on a dead run with this brand new quarterback five feet, three feet away from me, running backwards and he's running and he's a colt ready to bolt. And the headsets where you're getting all your directions from? All my direction. not only that, but I can feel it bouncing on my shoulder, bouncing on my elbow, bouncing on my knee, and I'm convinced that this thing's going to trip me up, hog tie me. I'm going to knock his knee out from under him, tear his ACL, <laughs> and 14,000 pounds of man cattle are going to land on top of us. And I'm going to be the goat of all goats. I'll make Bartman look like a, you know, a nothing. And definitely not you know, goat in the greatest of all time sense. <laughs> not in the greatest of all time sense at all. The worst of all time, you know. And, um, and eventually he turned about the 10-yard line marker. Um, and started high-fiving his offensive linemen. And uh, I turned with him and stopped because I didn't know how long I was on. I couldn't see, excuse me, I couldn't see my tally light to tell me that I was live or not live. And I was wider than that piece of paper right there. I was shaking. So I'm still, like, shaking just telling that story. And it's easily the worst, and it didn't happen. But it could have happened, and it would not have been a stretch for that to have happened at all. And it was totally. And afterwards, somebody got word that I was shaking, and they went back and looked at all 9, 12, 15 different angles and made fun of me for the rest of the year about it. So it was all good fun, but I'm still not over it. It was still scary.
0: Spending so much time in close proximity to athletes over the years has given Steve a chance to form some passing relationships with some household names we're familiar with. One of his favorite moments came with the Chicago Bulls, Jimmy Butler.
1: I can name a lot of guys. I can name drop on you. They're nice fellas. I work with them. I shoot them all the time. I see them sometimes two or three days a week, so it's, you know. You get familiar. Yeah, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Jimmy Butler's a very, very dear friend. I let Jimmy Butler put a camera on his shoulder one time. He goes, wow, this is heavy. <laughs> and, it, and it was. And uh, later, uh, two, three years, he says, I asked him, do you want to come and look in the TV truck? And he said, yes. And about two years later, last year, maybe the year before, we were doing a game on Christmas Day. He was there at eight o'clock in the morning, warming up, practicing with the Bulls. I said, let's go take a look in the truck, and there were all kinds of packages that we had built about him because he was the offensive player of the month, the player of the the uh, the month. He was all that. He was an all-star. I Just saw him in uh, New Orleans, and um, he was stunned. I said, where do you think all this stuff comes from? He goes, well, look at me. Look at oh, I look good. There. Why did you take that with the you know what the sweat all over my face? You know. And but a lot of people think TV just happens. You no, know, there's all kinds of workers that. Went into that. There's all kinds of workers that went into making a car that we don't see. There's all kinds of workers that do a hundred different things that we don't really recognize, but there's jobs out there that people do.
0: Steve, if someone wants to get into your business, what, what
1: advice can you give them? Uh, the same old tired things rep, reps, 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 you know, getting a camera on your shoulder talking to people. I rode in my first year doing Braves baseball with this senior guy. He didn't live too far down the street. I would buy gas. I would ride with him and just pick his mind, pick his brain. And I asked him, how did I do today? He goes, well, you really screwed the pooch today. Don't do that again? No, don't ever do that again. Other days, he'd say, man, that was great. Good thought. I can't believe you went. You rack focused from the guy on third to the third base coach clapping. That was perfect. That was exactly what we needed right there, because we'd been talking about that third base coach and made the right choice to stop him before he got thrown out at home. Subtle little things. One of the other guys, I used to buy him a beer or three every day, and we'd sit and wait for the traffic to leave, and I would just pick his brain. And you know what, I try to keep uh, <laughs> attitude that i've always had which is i'm very very blessed and very fortunate very lucky to get to do this stuff and i have to pinch myself sometimes and go man oh man i'm doing monday night football man oh man i'm doing florida uh south carolina the whole nation you know there's there's millions of people watching and i get to uh frame up a shot and show what's wrong what's right why the coach is pissed why the guy who wasn't listening earlier in the huddle now makes a mistake well there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's my little story.
0: That was Steve Angel, a freelance camera operator. I asked Steve what was left on his bucket list. Naturally, he's covered everything he wanted to, but he said the day he's not fit to cover the Masters or the Little League World Series is the day he quits his job. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and I hope you learned something you didn't know 15 minutes ago. This is The Unheralded. See you next week.